Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The Tampa Bay Chocolate Festival 2024. This is sponsored by Generation Entertainment. Saturday and Sunday, February 17th and 18th, rain or shine, indoor and outdoor, at the Golf View Square Mall in Port Ritchie, Florida. Folks, is anyone going to this event? Because if you are, I need you to go to the Duke Loves Wrestling Facebook account on Saturday the 17th. I am going to pin a post at the very top, okay? I want all the information. This is the event where Generation Championship Wrestling is supposed to restart under new leadership. Okay, according to the board of directors, we've already had everyone from Storm Thomas, who uh, recently announced that he's injured, so he actually will not be competing at this event. But August Artois is in the main event for the GCW Championship. I want to know what's happening. I want to know what's going on. It life after Gomez for GCW. So please, I'm going to put up a post about the Chocolate Festival. And um, I want anyone who's there, go to my page, give me updates, let me know what's going on, please, because I have a, a funny feeling this is going to be a spectacle. Also, if you see Sticks there, please do not give him a hard time. But you can say to him, though, Sticks, it's unfortunate you forgot who your friends are. And I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, the Tampa Bay Chocolate Festival 2024, February 17th and 18th. Let me know if you are there, folks. Photos, comments, what the hell is going on? Who are the board of directors for Generation Championship Wrestling? The whole nine yards there. That's right. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. Brothers and sisters, I promised you I was going to give you a mixed bag of fantastic conversations this week, and certainly that's exactly what you're going to get. In fact, we're going to kick off this episode uh, with a first-timer here, okay? Listen, we've had Hall of Fame pro wrestlers. We have had football coaches. We've had Hall of Fame basketball journalists. We've had scientists, rocket scientists, mind you, on this show. OnlyFans models. We've had wrestlers, obviously, MMA fighters, the whole nine yards here. But for the first time ever, we have a naval intelligence officer joining Duke Loves Wrestling. So this is going to be really, really interesting. It's a reminder of how diverse the pro wrestling audience really is. So without further ado, check out this conversation with the man, Travis Akers. Hi, this is Travis Akers. I'm a public school parent, a veteran naval intelligence officer, an activist and advocate in my community for public education and military families. And you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Well, Travis Akers, you are one of the more popular uh, intelligence officers that, that I've ever known of, who has also uh, admitted that they're a big wrestling fan. So it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here on Duke Loves Wrestling, man. Uh, thanks, Duke. It's great to be here. I am certainly an unapologetic professional wrestling fan, lifelong, and I just absolutely love the the storylines, the entertainment, and it's a passion of mine that I will never apologize for. Well, since you're an intelligence guy, I'm gonna I'm gonna test your intelligence here. Okay, it's it's 2024. When it comes to AEW, what is the biggest story or the biggest thing that you're on the lookout for for 2024 oh wow so there are so many opportunities with the roster that tony khan and AEW have right now 
you have some of the biggest legends of all time with Sting and Adam Copeland. And then you have some amazing young stars like Darby Allen and members of Bullet Club Gold. There's just so many possibilities to give us dream matches, um, inner promotion matches. And I think this is a, a great opportunity to provide an alternative product as well to WWE for those who maybe enjoyed more of the traditional in-ring storytelling and classic wrestling style. Um, you know, I think 2024 is going to be a milestone year for AEW as well because it looks like Tony is starting this reset. He's bringing back the rankings. Um, and I think that he probably is beginning to open up to some of the fan feedback, whereas before it seemed like he might have been closed off to it. And so we're seeing what looks like almost a, a reset or a fresh start for AEW. And I'm really excited. Um, unfortunately, we know Sting is going to be retiring here very soon, but I'm really excited to see his retirement match. But I'm also really excited to see um, you know, new champions, new talent emerge and get pushed to the top and to become more recognizable faces and names in the industry. What about on the WWE side? What are you most excited about for 2024? I've got to say, this upcoming WrestleMania really has me intrigued. This is the first time in a few years that they really haven't truly telegraphed what the main events are going to be. I mean, there's obviously a lot of speculation with the IWC online and on, on the dirt sheets, but... Um, you know, who is going to end up challenging Roman? Is it going to be The Rock? Is it going to be Cody? Um, who's going to end up challenging Seth? Is it going to be Drew McIntyre? Is it going to be CM Punk? There's a lot of opportunity with WrestleMania. Um, but again, you know, I think 2024 is going to be a defining year for WWE as well. A lot of young superstars that have been called up recently from NXT and who are now performing regularly on SmackDown and Raw. These rosters are just so robust and packed with probably the most talented arsenal of professional wrestlers in modern day history. I mean, we can look back at the Attitude Era or we can look back at the golden years of the late 80s. And yeah, there's top stars that were household names and well-known in Hollywood. But pound for pound and talent for talent, right now, this is kind of like a new golden age of professional wrestling. Just so many opportunities for new, fresh storylines. And again, these veterans and these guys who have been around for a long time, really elevating the youth and the new faces and talent. It's really an exciting time to be a, a wrestling fan. You see that, folks? He is, in fact, intelligent. The man knows his wrestling, and I'm, I'm floored by this. That was awesome. Awesome analysis there. Awesome takes there. I love it. And for anyone out there, you know, Duval County School Board, District 7, a little birdie told me that Travis Akers is running for one of those seats there. So, so Travis, if you win, are you going to uh, bring like one of the World Heavyweight Championships out to the uh, school board floor? Oh, I'll tell you what, that's actually a great idea. At our election, um, our election night party, I think it would be wonderful to bring out, I have the big golden, you know, I have the big gold eagle wing belt. I think I should wear that um, on election night, maybe. And um, yeah, claim the title of Duval County Public School heavyweight champion of the world. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how, how well that would go over during actual school board meetings, but you know, I'm a fun guy. I, I don't take life too seriously. So sure, maybe maybe a belt will make an appearance in the chambers of the public school board meetings as well. Incredible, incredible. If anyone wants to keep up with you, Travis, what's the best way they could do that? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Travis Acres and on Facebook at Travis Acres, or they can feel free to visit my website, travisacres.com. Awesome stuff there from Travis Acres. It's pretty cool, you know, the, the fact that he is so well accomplished. And not afraid to point out the fact that he is a big wrestling fan. And you can hear from the analysis there, he knows his stuff. AEW, WWE, the whole nine yards there. So that's pretty cool. Uh, definitely check out his website. I know that he is running for office. And I'm not going to tell you to vote for Travis or not vote for Travis. But check out his website. You know, if you, if you live down there in Florida, uh, Duval County, he may have something going on that you're interested in. So I encourage you to check that out 
for sure. And certainly, if you want to meet Travis, I got a great scoop for you. The River City Wrestling Con. Okay, you will get a chance to meet Travis. He's such a big uh, wrestling fan that he has already agreed to be at the River City Wrestling Con. In fact, uh, he's been a few times. You know, it's an event that he personally enjoys. So he let me know he's going to be there June 8th and 9th. River City Wrestling Con at the World Golf Village Resort, St. Augustine, Florida. And this is a new location. It's bigger. It's brighter. It's better. Already announced Sting. Already announced Trish Stratus. So many great folks are going to be there this year. And you have to be there this year. Teddy Long is going to be there. Goodness gracious. Come on, Bobby Fish. Low key, the whole nine yards there. I hear that Tiny Thunnelly is going to be suplexing folks. You know she is a suplex queen. I hear she's going to be suplexing folks at the River City Wrestling Con. So you definitely do not want to miss it, folks, June 8th and 9th. If you see our man Travis there, definitely give him a pound. Tell him that you heard him on Duke Loves Wrestling. That would be cool. Okay, moving on here, we're going to check out our next guest, and her name is Eliza Hayes. Really interesting person, really interesting story here. She went from the mecca of pro wrestling, Florida, you know, where you had wrestling schools and promotions that you could work as often as you want. Then she and her family moved to New Mexico, where there is very little opportunity in comparison there. So check out this great conversation. We're running with our theme of how diverse pro wrestling fandom and pro wrestling in general can be. Check it out. Hey, brothers and sisters, this is Eliza Hayes, your favorite flower child, and you're listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Brothers and sisters, you know that here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, I certainly enjoy having the Hall of Famers on the show. Uh, Definitely the stars that time has forgotten, you know, to to remind folks that they're still out there and what have you. Uh, Current stars, you know. Certainly, people that you see on TV today, they're always welcome on the show, and and you folks enjoy when they come on. But I I have a soft spot for independent wrestlers, and especially independent wrestlers who have uh, an interesting story that I I haven't heard before. You know, and, and I love sharing that type of content with you out there because it just adds more perspective on what the wrestling industry is. It's never just one thing. And these are real people dealing with real day-to-day challenges as they pursue their dream. And certainly uh, our next guest here, she has a hell of a challenge based on geography. And I think this is something that you folks will enjoy hearing about because is there anything we can do about this? So without further ado, Eliza Hayes, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's my pleasure. And, you know, you're somebody who you really came into your own when you were training and developing down in the Florida wrestling scene, which is really like ground zero. That's that's like the number one place for pro wrestling in the world at this point, right? It's yeah. I mean, you could basically throw a rock in Florida and find yourself a wrestling promotion. Of course, in a wrestling school, right? Mm hmm. Now, because of that, wrestling, if you wanted to, how often do you think you could wrestle in a week down in Florida if, if you could get the bookings? You can wrestle every weekend, pretty much, um, and sometimes twice a weekend. Wow. Wow. Probably during the week, too, right? Sometimes, yeah. There's there's not as many during the week, but I have seen a couple of shows popping up during the week. And and down in Florida, you have an abundance of other women that you can uh, wrestle with and, and, and therefore women's titles that you can compete for, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, there's a very deep talent pool in Florida as far as the women's roster goes. A lot of the time, you'll you'll see a lot of the same faces, but in the last year, there have been a lot more coming out. So... That's what we know in terms of how you you started to develop in pro wrestling. But then something interesting happened. You moved. And you didn't just move. You moved to a place that is the complete 
opposite of Florida. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about the culture shock of going from the mecca of pro wrestling, where everybody in, in wrestling, they, they go to Florida to try to make it to the big time. All the big companies have satellite offices or are literally based in Florida. You go from that to where are you today? I am out in New Mexico. So I literally moved to the desert. Um, <laughs> it is kind of a wrestling desert out here. Um, there's one promotion that's been active since this past summer. And I know that there's one or two trying to pop up, but I haven't had much talk with them yet. Um, they They really haven't quite found their feet yet. So the one that is definitely solid in New Mexico right now is Duke City Championship Wrestling up in Albuquerque. Okay, well Duke City Championship Wrestling, uh I'm going to sue all of you because you you took my name and you <laughs> slapped it on your promotion. You you're over here trying to make yourselves a big deal. So unless Eliza is the champion, I I think that I need to take you folks to court. So I'm just going to put that on the record there. Well they they um, don't have a women's title yet. But Albuquerque has um, the Dukes is, I think, one of their teams. So they go by Duke City. This is incredible. So you got the Dukes, Duke City. What, what, what is going on down there? They're, they're just <laughs> stealing all of my material, basically. I, I don't know how I feel about this, Eliza. Um, so, so you're basically the queen of the Albuquerque uh, pro wrestling scene. Um, right now, I'm kind of the anchor for the women's division uh, when DCCW uh, brings in another woman, like when we have a women's match, we have to bring somebody. For example, this past weekend, they brought in Lilith Grimm from Colorado. Okay. That's pretty cool. So, so Lilith Grimm came in and, and you and her work together. Yep. That's awesome. All right. So how does that go? I mean, when these, when these women from different parts of the nation, different parts of the world, they come into your territory, uh, New Mexico, because you drove all the women out. They didn't want to wrestle you because you <laughs> beat the hell out of all of them. So they're, they're intimidated. But when somebody gets some, some courage and, and shows up, uh, how does that go? Um, sometimes better than others. Last month, or not last month, because um, I wasn't there in December. Um, I guess it was November then. They brought in Angelica Risk, and she came out on top on that one. So it, it's just like any match. Anybody can win any given day. Um, but it's, it's definitely been nice facing different people. <laughs> I bet. I, I bet because, Jesus, <laughs> you can only learn so much from the same opponents. And at some point, everyone has seen that match already. Yeah. Um, so that, that wow. So if you want to wrestle, how often do you wrestle right now uh, in New Mexico? Right now, it's pretty much just once a month. Once a month? Jeez. Do you ever worry about ring rust or anything like that? That's that's not a lot of reps there. Yeah, I I do. So I usually try to get there and get a little bit of ring time in before, you know, just go over the basic stuff, the bumps, the rolls, make sure everything's solid. Um, if there's anything... You know, I'm unsure about like I'll, I'll just test some stuff out in the ring beforehand. I am trying to get uh, some ring time at a school in Texas. Um, Pro Wrestling Legacy. They also run a promotion out of there. So I've, I've been in talks with them and I'm hoping to find some weekend to pop out there. But it's it's a three hour drive. So unfortunately, that's the closest <laughs> ring to me right now <laughs> three hours just to go beat somebody up i that's a that's a yeah, hell of a Albu commitment for sure yeah albuquerque's a four-hour drive um el paso is a three-hour drive and then if i want to go out to uh arizona it's been pretty much like a mostly like three to five hours wow. for the promotions out there that is that is so challenging because again you're somebody who you're you're chasing your dream of pro wrestling and you you have wrestled matches and you you've been making your way out there and then 
you know, for whatever reason, you had to move to a totally different state and that's your home, but you don't have as many opportunities there. A lot of folks build it themselves. Have you ever thought about starting your own promotion or at least getting a team together who starts a promotion? I have. Um, I, I've thought about putting a, a ring up that like I can at least practice in. Um, maybe like I, I've had folks ask me if I if I want to set up a school or something like that. Um, frankly, I I don't feel like I'm qualified to run a school. And there's really nobody close enough that I could bring in that would be qualified. Um, but it would be nice to have a ring somewhere nearby. Um, New Mexico is a commissioned state, so I don't know what their rules on running a school are. But I know that in order to run promotions, you have to get a promoter's license and you have to pay commission fees. You have to have medical staff on hand and ambulance. Um, everybody has to be insured. You have to have a doctor on site to examine everybody before they go out. That's interesting. So so because of that, when your promotion run shows, do you normally draw a big crowd or is it because um, it's so infrequent that that's a little bit more challenging? I know when I wrestle up in Albuquerque with Duke City, uh, they draw a really large crowd. Um, they had, I think the count was over 550 at this the show this past weekend. That's great. That's great. So they, uh -huh. they pack the house in there and the crowd is always just on fire. That's great. See, that's... People think about pro wrestling and, and they may have their own idea or assumptions on what it is. And, and certainly, you know, shows like uh, The Wrestlers on Netflix, which shows what what's happening in OVW. I think that shed a lot of light on the challenges that go along with running a wrestling promotion and a wrestling school and, and also the challenges that wrestlers go through. Now, compound that with the fact that you only got one promotion in the area that's running once a month. Wow. <laughs> that's that's tough. That's that's really, really tough. And and based on where you are to even drive anywhere in order to wrestle, it's hours and hours. That's a lot of miles and what have you. Um and then now you're talking about the booking fees, which I'm not gonna ask you how much you're you're asking for booking fee, but is the fee gonna cover everything? Oh no to, to justify <laughs> driving all over the world like that, you know? So, no, uh, most of the time the fee doesn't even cover gas. Wow. Especially these days. Wow. Okay. So why do it? I mean, why do you continue to be a pro wrestler, Eliza? Because it's what I love doing. It's I, I have days where I send out emails. I don't get any responses back and it's, it's disheartening, but it's, what I want to do. So the only thing to do is just keep moving forward, keep sending the emails, keep putting up the content and hope that it catches somebody's eye. And uh, yeah, I can get more bookings eventually. <laughs> if, if a promoter does decide to do business with you, they bring you in and what have you, what are they going to get? They are going to get somebody that the kids love. Um, kids are pretty much like my my target uh, fan base. Um, and that's mostly because the colors, you know, I, I try to be fun in the ring. And I always try to make time for the kids because those kids that are sitting out there, they're going to be the next ones to step in the ring. And for them, everything is still... You know, they don't look at the dirt sheets. They don't, you know, read the rumor mills and all that. For them, this is just something magical. And every time I step in the ring, I want those kids to feel that magic. Great answer. Great answer. And and clearly, I mean, you're a wrestling fan. You know, outside of being a performer yourself, you, you've been a fan of the industry, right? Yeah, I haven't kept up as much as I would like to the last few months, just because with the move in the spring and 
kind of trying to find my my footing outside of wrestling in the community here um it's been kind of crazy so i i try to keep up as much as i can but i sometimes i miss some stuff and i have to catch it on the news feeds on facebook which thank god for that i mean geez i you know when i grew up in the 80s we didn't have access to any of that yeah. So if you missed it, then you, you know, maybe you had a VCR where you were recording or what have you. But outside of that, if you missed it, you missed it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thank now goodness you, can, you have. Yeah, you yeah, can pop you, on YouTube and catch highlights from matches and stuff and get the important points. That's right. That's right. Who are some of your favorites just in general? If, if you were to list like a top three wrestlers out there, past or present. Who who's on your top three? Probably have to say, well, Rey Mysterio has always been a favorite of mine since I was a kid. Women wise, I'd probably have to say Asuka, just because she's always so entertaining. I'm gonna say Kylan King. Cool. Because I've I've worked with her, like I've seen her come up through the business. You know, back before she really like found her footing, like found her her character and her voice. And just seeing where she was then to where she is now is very inspirational. Well, certainly shout out to Kylan King. You know, she's been here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, the MF and King. And I know that she's uh, nursing a very serious injury now. So we wish Kylan the best out there. But yeah, that's a great call out. Oscar, of course, she's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Ray Mysterio, obviously he's going to be in the hall of fame. So yeah, that's, that's a pretty good mix. That's a pretty good mix there. Well, great point. (laughs) Great point. He already is. And he's still out there wrestling. Can you imagine? That's, that's impressive. Yeah. For somebody who hasn't been keeping up, you sure knew that. So, you know, you, you you kicked my ass that time. I'm I'm scared of you there. (laughs) I told you, I I try to at least get the important points when I can. (laughs) You sure do. You sure do. Well, for anyone listening, what's the best way that they can reach you? Well, I have all social media platforms. Uh, I have Facebook, Instagram, X. I still call it Twitter. Um, I'm not on there as much anymore because it's kind of gotten bogged down. But I also have a YouTube channel. Which is, what are all those under? Um, If you just type in Eliza Hayes, I will come up for all of them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Eliza, you know, I wish you nothing but the best. I, you're the queen of New Mexico. So if anyone <laughs> out there wants to go down to Mexico and, and challenge the queen, Eliza Hayes is ready for you. Yeah, man. Like, hit me up and we'll make it happen. Fun conversation there with Eliza Hayes, the queen of New Mexico wrestling. And certainly, again, anybody who's interested in checking out Eliza Hayes, if you want to challenge her or what have you to a match, Reach out to her, Eliza Hayes, on all the social media platforms. Good stuff. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you are going to hear from another first, at least for me, and certainly a first here for Duke Loves Wrestling, a pro wrestler who is from Iraq. Wow. Let's talk hydration. See, I carry something to drink with me every single place that I go because I am concerned about being dehydrated. It runs in the family. Everything from dry mouth, dizzy spells, fainting, it's pretty serious. And I've tried all the different types of waters and sports drinks. Let me tell you something right now. Liquid IV. That has been the most efficient at keeping me hydrated and doing so pretty quickly. Okay, Liquid IV has five essential vitamins and is two times faster at keeping you hydrated than water alone. And I'm serious, man. Everything from vitamin C to vitamins B3, B5, B6, B12. Liquid IV also is non-GMO. So it's free from gluten, dairy, soy. So for all you folks out there with food allergies, this may be right up your alley. And I know what you're thinking, but how does it taste, Duke? Well, tastes pretty good. Okay, we're talking my favorite in pina colada. They also have tropical punch, strawberry, new flavors like sea berry and strawberry lemonade. Huh. You can enjoy this stuff, man. But don't take my word for it. 
I want you to stop what you're doing right now and head over to liquidiv.com. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling so you get 20% off your entire order. I mean, anything that you order on liquidiv.com. So what are you waiting for? It's time for you to shop better hydration today. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling over at liquidiv.com. Save yourself 20%. Stay hydrated. Most importantly, enjoy life. That's right. Now let's get on with the show. My name is Ali Muhammad, and you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Brothers and sisters, you know I am a huge fan of the independent wrestling scene, and I'm always uh, happy to highlight folks who are on the indies and and really you know expose them to the greater audience out there in the world. And certainly, our guest here is someone that has a very, very interesting story, one I've never actually heard before in pro wrestling. So this would be cool. Without further ado, Ali Muhammad, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. How you doing today? Another day in paradise, man. I know it's been a lot of crazy uh, information out there in pro wrestling, especially in WWE land. But today we're going to be talking about Ali land. So, so let's start from the beginning here. Uh, where... Where you born? Where you from? Talk to me about your journey there, Ali. <laughs> it may uh, shock a lot of people, but I was born in Everett, Washington, United States, in January '95. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, so you were born in Everett, Washington. Talk to me about Washington. I mean, d- did you spend a lot of time in that state? If you did, tell tell me a little bit about the state for somebody who's never been there before. I was born in Everett in 95. I lived there for 23 years of my life, so the majority of my life. Uh, Everett is a uh, fairly small city, and it's a very peaceful city, I would say. There are, of course, a few crimes here and there, but it is a, uh, it's a good place to live. Like, it gets cold sometimes, but we do have summers here and there. And it is a good place to live. That's cool. That's cool. So it's interesting because you you have a very distinct accent there, Ali. Mm-hmm. And is that a is that an Everett Washington accent, or is there something more going on there? It is actually an amalgamation of multiple accents. So I am a uh, first generation uh, immigrant, as you would say. My parents moved here from Iraq. I'm sorry, Iraq to uh, Washington and like June of 94. Then a few months later, my mother gave birth to me. I was, as I was growing up, I was basically learning English around the same time as my family. My dad did go to community college to learn English, but for a lot of my family members, my mom, my mother including, uh, we learned our English either by television or when my older cousins go to kindergarten, get their ABC notes, and when they came back, basically everybody learned the ABC together. And while we do learn English from textbook right now, sometimes like my dad and other my uncles who go to college, they do bring some of the lessons back home, so everybody's learning English together. I would also watch a lot of television growing up. So a lot of times when I watch uh, TV, I would get few uh, words, few phrases here and there. I do have a lot of uh, English words. Some of them are New Yorker or Southern accent, depending on what movie or show I'm watching. And on occasionally, because I was a child still, I will watch a lot of uh, television shows from a uh, British broadcast. So if you do hear me say few English words or phrases, it's because like, I've done a few British uh, slang here and there. Wow. That's that's a lot going on there for sure. Um, Ali, I I want to I want to step back for a second because you corrected yourself. You said something, and then you said, "Excuse me, Iraq." W- what did you say before you 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 said Iraq? Well, I was saying Iraq. That is the Arabian uh, pronunciation, and because Arabic is my first language, I'm so used to saying things 
the Arabic way. And there are times like when I'm in wrestling, I'll talk to people, especially with WWE and Saudi Arabia. And when it was my turn or when I was talking on the subject, I would say in Saudi, when WWE or the guys go to Saudi and this going on in Saudi and the people are confused, like where they're going? And I had to correct myself, oh, they're going to Saudi Arabia because I was so used to saying the Arabic way. It was the same thing with either Iraq, Iraq, Iran, Iran, Jordan, Yemen. Like I'm so used to saying it the Arabian way. So I have to correct myself. That way the uh, English speaking audience can understand where I'm referring to, which country I'm referring to. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now, Ali. I, I think that it's important that you not apologize for pronouncing anything the Arabian way. And, and I think that rather than say sorry and correct yourself, say, you know, in, in this case, you're talking about Iraq. So you say Iraq, what you would refer to as Iraq. So it's it's great that you're saying both because you're educating others. Like you just educated me um, on the pr- the correct way to say Iraq as opposed to Iraq. And I appreciate that. But don't apologize because you're not wrong. You're you're 100% right, my brother. I understand. I'm not being apologetic. I'm just saying more or less, uh, excuse me, or, or I meant to say, you know, but a lot That's of times fair. I'm just used to saying, you know, one thing. Like for this month, I would say I'm sorry. Next month, I would say, excuse me. Like I sometimes, I'm sometimes uh, switch my vocabulary every now and then. Well, because you got you got a lot more vocabulary than somebody likes me. I don't I don't speak other languages. I I can understand a little bit of French and Spanish. I mean, I took years and years of Latin, which helps. But unlike me, <laughs> who literally has one primary language that I speak, you speak multiple languages. So that's it's pretty awesome. Now, tell me something. Have you ever been to Iraq? Yes, I have actually been to Iraq. I've been to Iraq uh, on five different occasions. Okay, cool. All right. So, so talk to me about Iraq in, 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 the, in the modern times here, because what I'm curious about, I mean, we've had so much uh, war, fighting, uh, attempts at rebuilding, but we don't really get the full picture of what it's like over there from somebody who is actually of the culture. So for you or your family, that's that's your family's land and what have you. You are part of the culture. You are, even though you're born here in the United States, you always be um, Iraqi as well. Talk to me about over there and in, in, in more modern times. I mean, are, are we in better shape than maybe it was when you were first born? Or, or do you feel that uh, Iraq is, is in trouble right now? Well, mind you, the last time I've been to Iraq was in December of 2017. I was there from like the second of second week of December to the last week of December. And when I arrived in uh, Iraq, the news I hear from everybody was the Iraqi and the Iranian and so and Syrian army. They've successfully pushed out the ISIS terrorist group from the Iraqi borders into the mountain range of Syria. And when I went home to Nasiriya, the district where my family originally lived. I do see uh, the economy is slowly recovering. And I once drove by a large uh, farming field. And I, my cousin was telling me they were building, I'm sorry, they were uh, planting a lot of vegetation. They were building like lettuce, cabbages, tomatoes, watermelon. And when I went to the shopping district, I do see a mall being built. So the economy is slowly getting built back together. And we Arabian people, we're more resilient than more than people give us credit for. So we are recovering. It's just a little bit slowly. And of course, after the pandemic and right now there's a little bit of unrest in the Middle East after you know what happened, but yeah, uh, slowly but surely we are recovering the country of Iraq. Now talk to me about the food, man. I'm I'm a, I'm big on food. I love cultural foods from all over the world. What's your favorite uh, Iraqi food? I really love uh, sheets kebab in the Middle East. Like I don't know why, but I just really love the sheets kebab. There are times where I would visit over 
to Iraq. We do eat the uh, various other foods for the Middle East, like we have chicken and rice, there's a uh, baklava, there's also a lot of Middle Eastern sweets. I do love to eat, but occasionally, every once in a while, my family would make us a uh, kebab because they know I love it. So kebab is very much my favorite Arabian food. So, so when you have uh, kebab, is that is that lamb? Is it beef? What do, what do we have in the kebab for the for the base meat? Majority of time is usually from sheep, from lamb. Awesome, awesome. I love. Listen, I, I'm I'm one of those people, man. That when I was in college, I had discovered um, shawarma. <laughs> you know, I, I'd never had shawarma before. Lamb, beef mixed in the pocket with all of the, the spices and all the fixings and what have you. And that really took me on a, on a ride throughout some um, different types of food from that part of the world. So different types of Arab foods and, and, and things of that nature there. And my goodness, man, I love it all. You know what I mean? The, the, the food is, is it just tastes cleaner and dare I say healthier in a lot of ways, right? But it's mostly how we treat our livestock when it comes to how we treat uh, our sheep, our chickens. We raise them differently and we, of course, uh, slaughter them differently. So a lot of times the meat is cleaner the way they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out. Okay. So I, I need to get some uh, some kebab because you got me hungry now. <laughs> Now, do you do you have your kebab spicy or or are are you not so spicy? I'm not a big fan of spice. I am trying a little bit every now and then, but I'm generally not a fan of uh, spicy food. Gotcha. Now, what about the desserts, man? Because I know the desserts can be crazy: mango, cashew, you name it. What, t- talk to me about the desserts, man. Um, there's of course a baklava. Uh, it's like sweetened date, if I'm not mistaken. And there's also a uh, duck, which is basically a uh, flatbed that you you put honey and sugar on it, which and you fry it, which tastes delicious. But yeah, there are a lot of like good uh, Arabian uh, desserts, depending on which country. And Turkey, they have was these uh, Turkish delight dessert, which is very delicious. But yeah, like Middle Eastern does have a good amount of dessert oh yeah turkish delights you, you put some fresh pistachios on top and what have you good stuff right absolutely i love it i love it um, um you know mango lassie and and, and things like that because the, the drinks too i mean all the different types of, of what we would call smoothies but the fruit drinks because fruits even in, in iraq iraq has, has some delicious fruits right they do yes man See, I, I just I love it. That's that's good stuff. I mean, I, I I'm going to be honest with you. I don't recall in my lifetime ever speaking directly to someone who is of the um, Araki culture. So this is it's pretty cool to to speak with you and and learn something. You know, I've got a lot of friends from um, Iran and and obviously um, um, Saudi, as you would say, or Saudi Arabia, but. Um, it's pretty cool to hear it from you, who's of the um, Araki culture. That's cool. So, so you're a pro wrestler, and you're based I, where in Florida? Yes, sir. I'm. I'm currently in Orlando, Florida. I mostly work in the Florida, Georgia, and the Carolina areas. So, I gotta, I gotta ask this question. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but it is something that matters. Do you find that you're you're mostly booked as a heel, or, or are you have you ever done any babyface work at all? So over the course of my career, I had about two hundred matches, and about five of these occasions, I was a babyface. The first two times I was a baby was because I was still in training, I was still um, getting used to the uh, environment. So they had me as a baby that way I can work with the heel who can direct me during the matches. And then the other three times I was a babyface, I was in uh, South Carolina. My friend who's a promoter, he is from Syria, and he was a huge babyface there. And when I came as a as his cousin, his kayfabe cousin, people cheered me as a babyface because I was helping my cousin winning the matches. So I was a babyface's 
on five different occasions, but I do generally work as a heel. Now, that's interesting. Are, are there a lot of Syrians in uh, uh, South Carolina? There are a handful of Syrian. It's just my friend, my KFAP cousin is the only one I know as a wrestler. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's really, really interesting that um, utilizing the Syrian culture is getting over the way that you just stated there in South Carolina. I got to I got to look into that. I'd love to report on that here on, on the show. That's that's pretty cool. Shout out to all of our Syrian brothers and sisters out there. So primarily you're utilized as a heel. How does that make you feel, man? I mean, the, the, the fact that your gimmick is is an ethnic gimmick and, you know, you're booked as somebody who's supposed to go out there and do dastardly things, for lack of a better term. I mean, how does that feel? Well, a little bit off topic, but in both wrestling and in real life, a lot of times when it comes to doing businesses, you got to do what the business dictates. I mean, what I'm saying is, is, if you are in a restaurant business, you won't give the people the food that you are advertising. When you are in a clothing business, you won't give the clothing that you're advertising. Now, when it comes to wrestling, I'm in the area, especially in Florida, where the majority of the population is uh, Caucasian, uh, Black Americans, and Puerto Rican descent. So a lot of times their heroes will be Caucasian wrestlers, black wrestlers, and Puerto Rican wrestlers. So I'm the only Arab basically in the area. And back in the territory days, the biggest of heroes were, of course, the Iron Sheik and other Arabs who play as the evil Arabian Sheik. So for me to come to the South and play as a heel, I don't see that as the discriminatory or that they're trying to insult me, but it is a good way to gather heat from the crowd, of, of make them feel good about, you know, us versus them kind of story. But going on to this, I do feel over time where people recognize me more, especially down in Florida, because I've worked mostly in Florida. And occasionally I do get cheered even as a heel. So over time, like me... And another wrestler, I, I don't speak to him, but uh, Mustafa Ali, he mentioned it before where he wants to let the people know that not all uh, Middle Easterns are evil and he wants to change that. And I came to the point of my career where I want to try to let people know, like, yes, I'm Arab and I'm not evil just because of the old stereotype and wrestling or what the political landscape says that we eat for just because we have different views than most Americans. That's that's good stuff there. Now do you find that you that you get booked pretty often because your your character is, you know, you you are the Arab character and, and I know that there's a pretty strong Arab community down in Florida, so it's familiar enough, but maybe not as many Arab wrestlers, right? Uh, when it comes to Florida, they do have a lot of people from Palestine, but majority of the folks I see here are from, uh, uh, Pakistan. So I do, I'm sorry, Pakistan and Egypt as well. So there is a handful of Arab cultures, but I also see a lot of, uh, Persian, Pakistani culture here. So I do get some of them to come into my matches and going to your first questions earlier when you asked. Is it easier for me to get book as a Arabian heel? And the answer to that is yes and no. Yes, it is easy for me to get into places because I'm an authentic sheik and they've never seen anybody like me before. So there are times where I can easily get on a show because I'm different. they never seen anyone like me before. But when I say no, it's because uh, because I am authentic, because I am an actual Arab, not a uh, some someone outside the culture impersonating as an Arab, it is difficult for me to get into places because I would get more reaction than even the top baby face. I have a uh, small story to tell. There is a promotion in Oklahoma City. I won't say the name of the promotion. Uh, years ago, I tried to reach out to them to Gardner Business to become part of their roster. They had one Caucasian wrestler who uh, appears as a sheik, and he speaks uh, 
fake uh, Persian or fake Arabic. I forget like which part uh, he was playing, but I didn't let that uh, bother me because I wanted to get business. So I told him, hey, I'm willing to come over. I'm willing to become uh, his uh, sidekick, his partner, uh, whatever. Like I'm trying to get on the show because I was still new in the business. And the promoter was having serious talk with me. He was asking me if I'm willing to do ladder matches one night. And I was saying, yes, I can do that. But then a couple of days later, I think because he went to my profile because he was interesting, he was interested. He realized, like, I'm not an uh, outsider pretending, pretending to be an Arab. I'm an actual Arab who can actually speak Arabic. And he was worried that I might accidentally expose his top peel as a non-Arab. So he texted me, he goes like, hey, I'm sorry, I can't get you on the show. Why not? Oh, we're fully booked. That wasn't the issue a week ago, but now it becomes. So there are times where I wasn't able to get bookings because I would outperform and outshine their top heels, their top babies. So it's a uh, curse and a blessing being authentic Arab and investing in business. It's awesome. I love it. And, and and kudos to you, man. You found your way and, you know, having over 200 matches is a big deal. That How many years is, have, have you uh, been wrestling? Uh, five and a half years. Great. That's great. That's a lot of matches in, in that period of time there. So you stay booked, especially considering the fact that we had a whole pandemic in between that. So, you know, that's that's a tremendous amount of work. In a relatively short amount of time, you know, almost two years were taken away from you. So that's good sure. stuff, man. Listen, Ali, if anyone listening wants to reach out, follow your journey, maybe even do some business with you, what's the best way they can do that? Best way to reach out to me is on Facebook Messenger. I do have an Instagram, but Messenger is the best way to reach out to me. The Facebook page is Ali Muhammad Altawar. I book my wrestling journey as well as my personal journey. Okay. There he is. Ali Muhammad, listen, it is a pleasure to have you on Duke Loves Wrestling, and I want you to come back uh, later in the year and update us. Let us know how the progress continues to go, man, because it sounds like sky is the limit for you. And, you know, at some point, you and I got to get some kebab. Yes, uh, we are friends of the world. Do that together. This year, I'm expecting to go even bigger and louder. I've already spoke to a handful of promoters who want to do bigger things with me. I have one promoter who I call wants me to turn into an Arabian Harley race. He wants me to turn into a monster this year. This year, I plan to go into more states. I plan to go even out of country and eventually my goal is to be even to be in a top promotion such as tna aew new japan and eventually wwe my brothers my sisters it is your man the duke host of the duke loves wrestling podcast and i want you to do me a favor i want you to go to www.strictlyfortheculture.ca Strictly for the Culture is one of the hottest brands in sports and entertainment today. Come on. You've seen the t-shirts. You've seen the hoodies on folks like Rodney Mack, the Reverend Ron Hunt, Jeremy Prophet, MLW World Champion Alex Kane, Mr. PWI 500, Jay Bougie, even your man, the Duke, and a lot of other podcasters and influencers. So I'll say once again, www.strictlyfortheculture.ca. Do it for the love. Do it for the respect. Do it for the honor. But most of all, do it strictly for the culture. Be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.